Welcome to Wiffle's Press Box Podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in the professional world of sports. Enjoy our exclusive interviews with athletes, coaches, insiders, and fans. And now, here's your host, Gary Wiffle. The Green Bay Packers are back at work, and optimism for the 2022 season is running rampant. Hi, I'm Gary Wolfel, and thanks for taking some time to join Rob Reichel and I for another Packers podcast. Hello, partner. Let's saddle up again, right, buddy? Uh, nice segue, nice segue. <laughs> well, Man, I'll tell you what, Rob, there, there are just a ton of storylines uh, surrounding the Packers, but perhaps the biggest one is the status of David Bakhtiari, and he still isn't healthy, much to the chagrin of the Packers, David Bakhtiari and Packer Nation, and when he'll return to action is anyone's guess. But what are you hearing on Bakhtiari and his three-time surgically repaired knee? Yeah, that's the key phrase, Gary. You hit it right there, three-time surgically repaired. It's Boy, Gary, it's, it's interesting. I went back and I, I was reading some of the stories I wrote at this time last year and the, and the quotes – from, you know, Packer personnel and things like that regarding Bakhtiari. Gary, it's almost identical to what they're saying today. It's almost like wow. nothing has changed in a year. Um, you know, to Bakhtiari's credit, Gary, he, he finally stood in front of his locker last Wednesday and he took, you know, 15, 20 minutes worth of questions about the knee and where it's at and all, all that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. for the most part, he's kind of hidden, Gary, uh, in, in the past, and he's let the Matt LaFleurs and the Brian Gutekunst and the Aaron Rodgers answer questions for him. But he did address the, you know, number, without question, the number one issue that this, the, you know, question that this team has right now is, is that surgically repaired knee. Gary, here were my big takeaways from it. And, and, and this to me is number one. It, it, he was asked on two different occasions, do you think you will play in 2022? The first time he kind of did, you know, his standard politician tap dance around it. Didn't say a whole heck of a lot in a 45 second answer. Somebody followed up and asked him again, do you think you'll play in 2022? And he said, I am not a fortune teller. Uh, that, wow. that, is not, that is not good. No, uh, it isn't. Uh, not a bit of optimism in that comment. No. And, and, and there were certainly some optimistic points in, in several of his answers, but at the end of the day, you know, the bottom line is he didn't feel comfortable enough after that 27 snap game he had in week 18 against the Lions to play in the playoffs two weeks later. And he doesn't feel comfortable enough right now to be back on the practice field. He's, you know, he's on the side doing rehab work and, and we're six, seven months past that 49er game in the divisional playoffs. He, he talked at length how, you know, his ACL, he feels comfortable in that Gary it's the other parts of the knee that have been surgically repaired, you know, without getting too deep into doctor and medical stuff here. It, you know, it, he didn't exactly say what those were. Um, and even when he was asked, he wouldn't reveal it, Gary, but whether that's MCL or PCL, you know, or cartilage or meniscus or whatever it is, th- those other elements that, you know, were cleaned up surgically, he does not feel comfortable yet in that, you know, that, that part of the knee, you know, to be out there. So he sits on the pup list, Gary. I would have to guess at this point in time, really, Gary, until proven otherwise, I just think we have to operate like David Bakhtiari is 
you know, not a starting offensive lineman on this football team right now. Whenever he comes back, it's an added bonus. It's a gravy. Uh, it, you know, it's gravy for these guys. But at this point in time, Gary, I, I, I would have to think he's going to start the year on the pup list. If I had to bet a buck one way or the other, I think Elton Jenkins is back before Bakhtiari is. They're conservative, Gary. He he doesn't have all the answers. And I'll tell you what, this is one of the stranger injuries in, in my 20 years of doing this. You know that 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 I've seen a, a lot of these are pretty concrete, and yeah. you know you, you get some clarity pretty quickly. This is one of the strangest ones that I've been around, Gary. Yeah, I, I've just seen too many ACL injuries uh, in, in my lifetime, and everybody points about points out about how so and so came back after six months or whatever, and you know the quick recoveries. But I'll I'll tell you what, you got to err on the side of caution. And I don't know if you remember this, Rob, last year. At one point, I said, I don't think he's going to play. And then he shows up for the final game of the season. And like you noted, he played, what, 23 snaps. And then he was out of there again. But a couple, you know, that that, that meeting he had with the media was interesting. But there was one quote, and you alluded to this. He said, quote, we're not really in an ACL issue. That's actually been a long time ago that we put that chapter to bed. And I'm thinking, okay, so why didn't they bring this up from day one that, hey, it's more than the actual ACL? Well, again, is, is there really any added benefit in letting your opponent know just, just how bad somebody's knee is? Um, but, that, but, then, but then you keep them out, right? I mean, you don't play them at all, period, you know? No question. You know, he – he talked at length uh, last week, Gary, about, you know, he, he got a call that week from Aaron Rodgers and, and, and pressuring might be too strong of a term, but, but Rodgers certainly wanted him back on the field for the playoffs. And the only way they could trust the knee and probably to trust Bakhtiari was to, to see him in live action uh, in week 18 last year, the, the season finale against Detroit. And Gary, I mean, I've watched that game a number of times. He, yeah. Bakhtiari was actually pretty good. He was. And, I remember tweeting out during the yeah. game that he looked like his old self. But, you know, but operating largely with just one good knee, I guess, as, as we look back today. But, you know, Bakhtiari did talk about this. I think it was with Pat McAfee in the offseason. It was somewhere, Gary. I think it was 15 out of 17 weeks last year during the regular season. He had to have fluid drained from his knee. And, mm-hmm. and it wasn't just small amounts. I mean, it was, it was crazy large amounts of fluid where I, I know one of the, you know, he, he mentioned one of the doctors or nurses said to him at one point in time, they've never taken that much fluid out of a knee. Um, and, and Bakhtiari made light of that and joked like whatever, he was number one now in fluid or something like that. But that, that is not a good sign. It's, it, it's not a good thing. No, not at all. Not, not at all. And, and there was another quote, Rob, that, that came from Gutekunst's, uh, Brian Gutekunst, the Packers general manager, he said, quote, we're not going to put a timetable on it, but what I will say is Dave had a very significant injury, which we all know ACL. Then he goes on to say, but it's much more than just the ACL way back when it occurred. So, uh, again, I mean, they, they, they should have uh, cited on the air of caution, and, and whether Rodgers wanted him back, if Bakhtiari wanted to want him back, if I was a team doctor, there's no way he would have played. 
Yeah, you're talking week 18 last year against the Lions. He shouldn't have been on the field. Yeah, I mean, just hold them out. They, they did just fine yeah. up until then and just go with what you had, you know. No, I'm sure in retrospect, they all feel the same way. And, and you know, and, and maybe, Gary, they were just getting different signs. You remember last year, oh, I don't know, I think it was late November, early December, he had that second procedure on the knee. And, right. and they thought – you know, they thought he had turned a corner and that, you know, he, he was going to feel better and potentially make a recovery uh, you know, for the playoffs. That obviously turned out not to be the case. And he needed that third procedure then th- this particular offseason. Yeah, I mean, Gary and, you know, people keep asking me, when do you think you'll see Bakhtiari? And, and, and even Bakhtiari will tell you this, Gary, your guess is as good as mine. Um, he, he does not know. I mean, there's, this is completely new territory to him. There's, there's, there's no textbook here. Um, you know, that there is no history in terms of how that knee is, is going to respond. There's clearly a chance, Gary, his career is over there. there there's a oh, chance. I, I totally, I totally agree. Uh, I mean, there, there's a chance, Gary, if he comes back, he's 70% of the player that he was. And, and that's not good enough in, in this NFL where, you know, a year from now, he may just, you know, or six months, he may just have to, yell no mas and, and shut it down. I certainly hope that's not the case, um, you know, for him because he's a, he's a good guy. And the last thing you want to see is, is people, um, you know, leave the field that way where, where injury ruins their career, but there's no question. I mean, he's at a cross at a crossroads right now and in his career based on that knee is, is, is hanging in the balance, Gary. Well, you know, and again, I'm in total agreement with you. But Kudakuns came also out, you know, after that and said that he had no concerns that Bakhtiari would play again. And not only that, but would return to all pro level. Uh, You know, I I think that's being overly optimistic, but hey, what do we know? Right. Oh, I I'm with you a thousand percent, Gary. That's just, you know, that, that, that's like hoping you hit, you know, the lottery the other night that where the Illinois guy won it. I mean, the odds, I'm not saying the odds of Bakhtiari coming back are, are to that extreme level, but for Gutekunst to have that level of optimism seems misguided a little bit. Now, when, when he's standing in front of a podium, he's obviously going to say those kind of things and whether he truly deeply believes it only, only he knows, but that seems far fetched to me, Gary. It seems like a stretch, put it, put it this way, Gary, it would cost green Bay more money right now to cut Bakhtiari than it does to keep him. So he's obviously secured with a roster spot here in, in 2022, 2023 is, you know, where, where you'll find out what, what the Packers really think uh, long-term we'll have a lot more answers by then, but whether they think he can ever return, you know, not just to the field, but to all pro level. And let's be honest, Gary, he was on pace to probably have a hall of fame career had he stayed played at an elite level for two or three more seasons. We'll find out what the Packers really think of this whole thing in about February when they'll have to make some decisions on Bakhtiari financially, because that's when they'll start to get some relief if they do indeed want to release them. You know, Rob, I I think one of the best untold stories about the Packers and God knows we've had everything about the Packers already that you can imagine, but this is a story I think that needs addressing. I, I, I'm going to ask you to do it. Go <laughs> away. Why, why have the Packers had a rash of knee injuries? I, I think there's at least what five, six guys that have had ACL surgeries. That to me seems like an inordinate number of ACL injuries. I, I get it, like one, two, three, but there's a ton of guys in that team that have had ACL injuries. 
And the question is why is it training, uh, doctors, you know, whatever, but, uh, that, that, that seems pretty high to me. It's probably high Gary. If you remember back, you know, mid to late McCarthy era, they had that rain where they had all that, that stretch where everybody was getting hamstring injuries. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. From- you know, from Clay Matthews all the way up and down the roster, they were always getting hammies. Rogers even had one the one year in the playoffs. I think it was 2014 um, that that he was trying to trying to fight through and and get him to a Super Bowl. I don't know, Gary. I'm, we can play conspiracy theory here, I guess, all we want in terms of training and, and you know and how they go about their day to day business. I, I you remember the early Lafleur years, Gary? 19, they were remarkably healthy. 20, they were reasonably healthy. Last yeah. year was. Last year they lost a lot of guys. I just I think it's a sport, Gary. That's that's cyclical. It's fluky. Some of this stuff just just seems to happen. Some of it happens at the same point in time, and maybe there's not a rhyme or reason. You bring up a good point, and it's something I'm you know I'm going to definitely start asking some people, uh, you know, closer to the situation. I hadn't thought about it a great deal until you brought it up right now, you know. But what are we talking? We're talking Jenkins and Bakhtiari and. You know, Tanyan and, 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 and Jenkins and uh, didn't Hill have one too? Yeah, that's true. Hill, the running back, and had one. And then uh, I thought, okay, Rob, like you said, it's a fluke. And also now Christian Watson has a knee injury. Well, that's not ACL though. No, no, but it's, it's a knee injury, and and I'm it's just thinking knee, like the knee injury. Yeah, and, it, and you know who? What, you, like like you said, they might not have another one the rest of the year. But man, right. that, that that just popped out at me that so many guys, you know, have the same injury. It's a, it's a great question, Gary. It's a, and, it, and it's a fair point and it certainly were, is worth delving into and asking. And, See, and that, that's the faith I have in you, partner. Yeah. No <laughs> question. That's something I'll do here in the next couple of weeks. I, I do want to explore too, you know, what that, per, you know, what the percentage of their 90 man roster with need issues how that compares right to the rest of the league. How does that line up against Baltimore? How does that line up against the Cardinals? You know, how does that, how does that line up against the Colts in terms of, let's say 9% of green Bay's roster has knee things going on right now. How does, you know, how how does that compare right against the Falcons or whoever else out there? But you're, no, you're right. I mean, it's, it's a lot of guys right now rehabbing from, from ACLs, but, but again, we, we've seen weird things where, you know, uh, uh, with this, with this organization in the, in the last couple of decades, Gary, where, you know, it's, it just happens to be the injury of the year and, and these five guys have it or whatever. It's just, it seems to be the ACL right now. Yeah. Speaking of ACLs and uh, speaking of Jenkins, any update on his situation? I mean, again, I think he's critical to that offensive line. I mean, the guy is Mr. Versatile. He can play him anywhere. And he's good at any position. I mean, he, he's he's a rare bird. And, uh, you know, everybody's talking about Bakhtiari. They proved that they could get by with Bakhtiari last year. But I don't know. If they lose Jenkins, I, I, I think, or not lose him, but have him out for any amount of time, I, I think that would be a big blow. Gary, I think internally they look at Elton Jenkins and say, that's our left tackle of tomorrow. Yeah. And, and so weeks, you know, if, if he starts the year on the pup list, Gary, which is four games – and, and he misses the month of September, let's call it whoop-de-doo, right? Because Bakhtiari's situation is so tenuous right now. It's so uncertain. It's so up in the air that they, I mean, without Elton Jenkins, when he played left tackle last year, Gary was a top 10 left tackle in the league. And he's got a contract coming up and I'm sure his people 
are going to try to sell him as a left tackle, not a right tackle, because the money on the left side is about double yeah. what it is on the right side. Sure. So, you know, whether Green Bay is going to pay him that or sees him in that same light, that we'll see how that plays out here over the next year. But there is no question what, what you just said is a thousand percent accurate. Jenkins is their best offensive lineman. He might be their best offensive lineman these days, Gary, even if Bakhtiari returns to the field. Oh, and I, I they, agree. They've absolutely got to get him right. So, and they may have learned some lessons last year with Bakhtiari. They're typically a very conservative organization when it comes to, when it comes to injuries. Um, and, and I would think, they'll put that hat right back on with the big C up front saying conservative when it comes to Elton Jenkins, Gary. And I, I would have to assume it's a pretty safe guess. You may not see Jenkins at the start of the year. Again, we've talked about this on the podcast before. Kudos to Brian Gutekunst. Three consecutive drafts, he's taken three offensive linemen. They are incredibly deep uh, at that position. Even without all pros like Bakhtiari and Jenkins, Gary, that's going to be a line – I would say that ranks between 12 and 15, let's call it in the league. Not great, but middle of the pack. It'll be good enough to hold up until you get these guys back. I mean, if they had a healthy Bakhtiari and Jenkins, Gary, we're talking maybe about the best line in football, certainly a top three. Mm -hmm. Um, And when Jenkins comes back, even if Bakhtiari doesn't, it's a top 10 offensive line. So they're going to take their time with him. Probably, Gary, I would think plug him into left tackle. Yash Neishman jumps over to the right side uh, whenever that winds up happening. And then they kind of go from there. They did say last week Jenkins is ahead of schedule. What that means exactly, I guess, is is up for interpretation. But again, I would have to think they'll be cautious. And it it's probably a month into the season before you see Jenkins. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the timeline of Jenkins. He hurt his knee when again? I want to say it was week eight or nine, Gary, late October, like October 28th. Yeah. That, that date sits in my, in, in my head. And then he missed the last, the last couple months of, of the season. So he played about eight games and then, and then missed uh, the second half of the season. So, you know, we're, we're talking September 11th when they go to Minnesota, what, 10 and a half months, um, which, which might be enough time. Um, but again, I, I would think the odds of that are slim. I, I think they give him another month, Gary, and get almost to the point where he's, where he's rehabbed for about a year and, uh, and then bring him back, uh, you know, bring him back somewhere in mid October. I, I couldn't agree with you more. You, you think the Packers are conservative? <laughs> I'm ultra conservative because he, he's not just a starting offensive lineman. He's a great starting offensive lineman. And the last thing you want to do is, is, is have another Bakhtiari nightmare and uh, if it means holding them out to the middle of the season hold them out to the middle of the season that's the beauty gary they, they do have some depth um at, at that position again they you know they, they took three in this draft uh, you know sean ryan in round three zach tom in round four and and then they they spent a seventh rounder on rasheed walker the, the tackle out of penn state they took three the year before they took they took three in 2020 so they've got a lot of bodies to sort through i mean i Gary, if, if all these guys are healthy, I, I think they've got eight, nine offensive linemen that, that they're reasonably comfortable starting on a given Sunday. And even without Bakhtiari and, and Jenkins, we're still talking about seven guys, I, I think, that are pretty close to, you know, either either locked in starters, Gary, or certainly pretty close to being starting caliber slash elite, elite backups. I think they're good to get by for a month, like I said, and then we'll see where they go with Jenkins 
some of these offensive line spots, Gary, are going to be kind of fascinating to watch how they, how they play out through camp. You know, I think Runyon's a lock at left guard to start out. I think Myers is clearly the center. He's, you know, he, he's entrenched there. He played pretty well last year before his injury and, and he looks even better now. You know, Yash Nijman's a guy, Gary, who can flip-flop. He can go left or right side. I think early on, they probably start him on the on the left side. And maybe if Jenkins comes back and proves that knee is fine, Nijman goes to the right side. But but they've got options over there, too. You know, Royce Newman started 16 games last year. You know, I, I mentioned the rookies, Tom and and and, and Sean Ryan and, and Jake Hansen's up. You know, a guy who's been around now for three years, and he's got some some early run, Gary, with the number one offensive line on the right side. So they're going to flip-flop some guys and and bounce people around here throughout the preseason and see who fits best at what particular spot. Um, but then the beauty of that whole thing, Gary, is now all of a sudden you, you insert a guy like Elton Jenkins who can play all five spots on the line. So maybe wherever you're weakest, you plug Jenkins in and, and kind of go from there. His level of versatility is so unbelievably impressive that uh, that it gives that coaching staff just a ton of options up front. Yeah, you know, uh, you, you brought up Royce Newman. He, he's a guy that really intrigues me. I, I talked to a couple of NFL scouts before the draft last year, and they said they really liked this guy, but he wasn't strong enough. And, and I know it's impossible to see 100,000 football players in the locker room these days, but have you noticed anything about Royce Newman? Does he look bigger? Have you had a chance to uh, analyze the man? So keep in mind, Gary, the entire 2020 and 21 seasons, we were not allowed in the locker room just due to COVID and and the restrictions and the guidelines and, and things to that effect. So the first time we were allowed back in there was right after this year's draft. So let's, so May here of, of, of 2022. So that was the first time I actually saw Newman, you know, face to face. Same with, same with all these, you know, younger yeah. guys, even we're talking third year players, you know, it was the first time I, I shook AJ Dillon's hand, for example, and, and chatted with him face to face, everything else had been zoom. So I, I don't have a good answer for you on, on Newman in terms of what he looked like physically, say a year ago versus today. That is his biggest question right now. If you remember, Gary, he started 16 games last year at right guard. He did, uh, and then Impressive. and then they got the, and then they got to the postseason and got a couple of guys back. And Royce Newman went to the bench. Mm-hmm. So it's it, it's it's pretty interesting. And I you know and that that's clearly going to be, you know, something that drives him. I'm sure throughout the the course of this preseason is is trying to prove that he deserves a job you know, among that starting five, he's wrapped early Gary at both right guard and right tackle kind of with the number ones. I think he's a pretty good bet to be one of their starting five when they go to Minnesota on September 11th. Again, which position I think it probably is going to be determined on how some of these other guys play, uh, but he is versatile. He's a good athlete, Gary. If he's, you know, if, if, if he's gained that added strength, it, it, it's certainly gonna be something to watch here through the, through the preseason but uh, he's another one of these young guys, Gary, that, you know, I, was he great last year? No, not even close. Was he okay or decent for a rookie? Yes, absolutely. Um, and I think back to some of these other guys, Gary, the TJ Langs of the world, you know, the Marco Rivera's who started out and really yeah. struggled early and turned into just absolute terrific linemen. Newman could have a, a you know, a path, a trajectory similar to that. So mm-hmm. he's, uh, you know, he's another one of these guys, Gary, to watch close in camp. All right, Rob, uh, let, let, let's dwell on something 
very, very positive. Uh, I know it's early in camp, but uh, there is one young man, one wide receiver that uh, apparently has caught your eye and caught the eyes of other people as well. And uh, you know who I'm talking about, right? Romeo, Romeo, where art thou? You beat me to the punch. (laughs) Okay, let's make it clear. We're we're putting a ban on that the rest of the year, okay? All right. That's it. We're done after that. (laughs) Exactly. But uh, your thoughts on Mr. Romeo? Yeah, I mean, it's tough for rookies to kind of come in, Gary, and and steal the spotlight from day one. But he's done that in in a number of these practices. And, and, and all of Packer Nation knows, obviously, since, you know, the trade of Devontae Adams to, to Las Vegas, that this team desperately needs wide receiver help. There were 169 targets uh, that left and walked out the door when Devontae Adams headed west. So there's a, there's a lot of footballs to be spread around. And, and Dubs has jumped off the page right away, Gary, you know, he's, he's got ideal size, 6'2", 201, um, which is just what you want. His speed is okay. It's four, five, three is what he ran at his pro day in, at Nevada. It's not off the charts, Gary, but it's, it's not slow in a lot of ways. So he reminds me of a young Greg Jennings, which is his routes are really good. He just, he's seasoned, he's polished. The stage isn't too big for him. If you think back to 06, when Jennings showed up, um, Gary, I, I remember that training camp well. Kind of similar to this, like with Dubs here, mm-hmm. Jennings jumped off the page pretty quickly. All they had on that group was driver and a lot of question marks. And and Jennings came out of nowhere. I don't want to say out of nowhere. He was a second-round draft pick. But Jennings did plenty of that training camp to prove, uh, you know, he deserved a starting job. And I want to say, Gary, by about 08 or 09 already, probably 08, he was, you know, he was in the Pro Bowl and he was Green Bay's number one wide receiver. Now, Here's where I'd caution people on dubs, Gary. You and I are doing this uh, early on Monday morning. Green Bay will put on pads for the first time on Tuesday. Okay. The world changes a lot. (laughs) The world changes a lot when all of a sudden these safeties and these corners and these linebackers start smacking you in the mouth. It's um, it's, it's a, it's a lot different game. Um, And I've seen Gary, a lot of people through the years who shine early and the pads go on and then they vanish. And I'm not saying that's going to happen with dubs. I don't think it will happen with dubs, but again, the world is a lot different when a contact sport like football actually allows contact. There was no contact for the most part in week one. And so we'll see when, you know, Hey, Gary, if dubs can keep this up, he's going to be a starter. I mean, they, they have Alan Lazard right now who they have identified as their new clear cut number one wide receiver. Um, again, whether that's crazy optimism on the Packers part or, or not, I don't know, but let's, uh, you know, let's just see how this plays out with dubs, but early impressions are that, that they, they've potentially hit a home run here in round four. Alrighty. Um, where, where do you think he fits in though? I mean, you, do you see him eventually being in the rotation or you think, uh, yeah, he's impressed early, but he's truly a long range project. And I mean, that receiver core is kind of veteran laden. You got Lazard, Cobb, Rogers, uh, you got Watkins, and then you got uh, Watson, obviously is going to, I mean, Watson to me, you know, if he's healthy, he's going to start from day one. And then, uh, you know, then you got Juwan Winfrey. So it, it, it's a crowded 
uh, position, not a great position, but it's a crowded position. And even if he uh, plays well in preseason, I just have some doubts that he's going to crack that uh, rotation. A lot of numbers, a lot of bodies, Gary, but a lot of mediocrity too. And a lot of guys on, on the back end of their careers. I have a hunch, Gary, and if this was my football team, this is what I would do. I would go young at that position, uh, understanding that guys like Dubs and Watson have a ton of upside and are only going to get better. And, and the way to pass the Rams and the way to pass San Francisco and the way to pass Tampa Bay in December to me is to have these young guys continually improving to be kind of be on the uptick where a guy like Sammy Watkins or a Randall Cobb, Gary, I'm not sure they can get you to December or January and, and, and have a whole lot left in the tank at, at that point in time. I have a hunch, Gary, when they line up for their first play in Minnesota, starting wideouts are going to be Lazard, Dubs, and Cobb. That's really? My, that's my prediction at this point in time. Wow. You'll see Cobb in the slot and Lazard and Dubs on the outside. Christian Watson, Gary, has a ton of, you know, he's, he's out right now. We have no idea when we're going to see him. Um, he's got a ton of ground to make up uh, when he does get back. You got to remember, he had almost no work with Aaron Rodgers in the, in the off season. And that wasn't Watson's fault. Rodgers was only there for a few days. So he has virtually no reps at all with, with Rodgers through the off season. And now he has none through the first week plus of training camp. It, it could easily be mid to late August, Gary, before we see Christian Watson. I, my, I'm going to make a prediction right here that at the end of the another season, prediction <laughs> that at the end of the season, dubs will have, much better numbers than Sammy Watson, or I'm sorry, than Christian Watson. And probably Sammy Watkins too. <laughs> and Sammy Watkins. Also. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I think dubs will be their number two wide receiver in the majority of categories when we get to the end of the year. Yeah. 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 I mean, there, there's just so much to talk about that wide receiving group and we want to address that, you know, as uh, training camp kind of unfolds, but as high as you are on Mr. Dubs, I, I know there is one guy in that team you're even higher on, <laughs> and uh, he plays on the other side of the, the line of scrimmage, and by all accounts, uh, he's picking up where he left off last season. Well, I'll tell you what. If I'm Brian Gutekunst and Russ Ball and the Green Bay Packers, I try to get Rashawn Gary's name on a contract and put pen to paper as soon as possible. My prediction, Gary, is is every game he plays this season, the price tag on him is going to go up and up and up and up. He is my dark horse for defensive player of the year in the league. I think he's got a legitimate chance to lead the league in sacks. And it would not shock me, Gary, if a year from now, and we're talking about him as the highest paid outside linebacker in football, you know, passing passing the, the Watts of the world, the, the TJ Watts and, you know, the Bosa's and, you know, pe- people like that, just that, 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 the, the highest paid, you know, um, you know, ru- pass rusher, uh, rushing in outside linebacker, however you want to define that. Um, Gary, he's, he's been in the backfield consistently snap after snap play after play uh, at the start of training camp right now. And that's without even pads. I mean, Matt LaFleur referenced the other day that Rashawn Gary's strongest move, Gary, his best move <laughs> is the bull rush. And he can't even use that right now with, you know, without pads. So he's, he's just killing people with, with speed and hands and, and some of that outside technique. Um, 
He closed last year with a bang. I, I think he's been really good for a year and a half, Gary. I really do. Midway through his second season, something clicked. He finished that year pretty strong. Um, you know, they obviously lost to Darius Smith early last year in, in, in week one, and, and Gary stepped into that role. To me, he's, he's undoubtedly now their top, their top edge rusher. I think he's going to be their best player on defense, and, and that's saying a lot on a defense with, with Jair Alexander and, and Kenny Clark and Devondre Campbell and, and some people like that. I, I think Rashawn Gary will be the star of that defense. And um, is, is, Gary, every summer there's a couple, two, three, four players on the practice field where you just can't take your eyes off them. Right now that Rashawn Gary is one of those guys. Yeah, I, I don't know if you remember this, Rob. I, I brought this up uh, maybe two years ago on one of our podcasts, but a friend of mine is a scout for an AFC team, and when the Packers drafted uh, Gary, he, he was going gaga, and he couldn't say enough good things about him, and the guy he kept comparing him to was Michael Strahan, uh, the, the uh, great New York Giants uh, defensive linebacker or outside end, I should say, defensive end. Anyways, um, and, and for the first couple of years, I started to question my friend's uh, <laughs> scouting acumen. And uh, I thought, man, he, this guy is an absolute bust. But last year, he really turned heads. And you're right, I, I think the light has gone on. And uh, he, he could be spot on. He, he could be the defensive player of the year on a team that's got a great defense, you know, so. Uh, kind of speaks volumes about his talent. Gary, you know, and, and, and kudos to your friend for nailing that. There were a lot of people too that I talked to that had real doubts about Gary just from the standpoint of, you know, he showed up to Michigan as the number one recruit in the country. Yeah. And, and it never fully panned out. I mean, he had okay numbers at Michigan, but nothing special. And And the knock on him always was he gets close, but he can't finish. And he was always around quarterbacks. His pressure numbers were okay, you know, but he couldn't finish and he never got the sacks. Well, even last year, Gary, on a lot of levels, and I think he had 10 and a half, 11 sacks counting the playoffs. His, you know, that could have been 17, 18, 20 last year. All the, he, he was second in the league, Gary, in terms of pressures per snap. And if he can turn those pressures into sacks, and I think he's going to this year, because he looks stronger, faster, you know, he, he's smarter. I, uh, you know, he, he knows the playbook inside and out. He's just, he's a physical freak. I mean, it, it, when God created an outside linebacker, he made Rashawn Gary and, you know, he's, he's come close Gary through the, you know, through his first uh, few years having these sack numbers be double what they are because his, his pressure rate is so high. I just, I think he's going to finish much stronger this year and, and all these pressures are going to turn into sacks. Uh, Rob, just a couple more quick questions uh, before we uh, call it a wrap on this podcast. And uh, the first one I wanted to ask you about was, has there been any player that's kind of emerged? Granted, it's only been uh, a short amount of time in training camp, but anybody that you see that could make uh, maybe a big impression once the season starts? Yeah, Gary, and, and, you know, and I'll kind of, talk about a couple of guys who are probably fighting for roster spots, right. To be part of the 53 and then, and then to be active on game days. And, you know, one guy that has jumped out early, Gary is, is, is return man Rico Gafford. And 
he now he's he has spent his career, Gary, kind of bouncing around between wide receiver and corner. The Packers thought he might be a wideout. He, he they moved him back to corner this off season because they felt it was his best way to make the team, uh, Gary. And and what but how he's really going to make the team is special teams. And if, if, here's a guy. He came into the league, Gary, in 2018. He's already on a sixth NFL team. Wow. Um, so he's so he's bounced around, and I I think Gary he's only played in eight NFL games in his first four seasons in the league. But he's a favorite of special teams coach Rick Visaccia, and and he ran a four two two coming out of Wyoming. So the guy can absolutely fly. The problem is he's undersized. He's five ten, buck eighty five. Let's call it um, maybe soaking wet. But the guy can absolutely fly. And as you remember from last year, Gary, special teams were abysmal and their returns, their return game was abysmal. They averaged, you know, less than 18 yards on kickoffs and they averaged eight yards on punts. And, and Amari Rogers, who was the number one guy at both of those spots was an unbelievable disappointment for them as a, as a third round draft pick Um, flopped as a wide receiver and he flopped as a return guy. So those positions are completely wide open right now. Kick return, punt return. Gafford's got a, got a foot in the door by the fact he, he, he is really well liked by the new special teams coach Passaccia and that he can absolutely fly Gary. They, they need somebody to bring a jolt of energy to those return units um, even though Amari Rogers is in better shape, he's still 210, Gary, and he's not a blazer. Gafford's a blazer. I think Gafford's going to win the kick and the punt return job. Uh, Dubs will be the punt returner, Gary, I think, if he's not one of the starting wide receivers. Um, but if but if Dubs wins a starting wide receiver job, and I think he's going to when it's all said and done, uh, look for Gafford to be a surprise guy as uh, the kick and the punt return guy. And then, Gary, really kind of on those – on that same line. And, and I won't get into it long, just a, a, a guy named, you know, Dallin Levitt is, is, is another guy who played for Basaccia with the Raiders, much like Gafford did. Uh-huh. And he's a safety. They just recently signed. He's got a real chance to make the 53 Gary just again, because of special teams, it's, it's not lip service over there anymore. They're serious about not being 32nd in the league anymore in special teams. And, and they should be, um, yeah. they, they just brought in one of the best special teams coaches in the league. Um, I think they're going to make a full fledged effort uh, to keep guys at the bottom of the roster strictly where their job. Number one is special teams. Levitt's going to make the team. I think Gary has a really good chance to as a backup safety. And then his job obviously on Sundays is going to start and end with special teams. So, so he's another, another guy there, much like Tariq Carpenter, who was one of the draft picks taken strictly almost for special teams. Carpenter's going to make it Gary as a backup linebacker, but his primary duty is going to be, you know, make sure the special teams are better that, you know, that's a few sleepers and and Gary, I'll, I'll give you one more. Who's, you know, certainly not a sleeper to make the roster, but I think he's going to be a sleeper, in terms of he's going to win a starting job. He's going to hold off a much more highly acclaimed player. And he's going to have a pretty good year for him is defensive end. Jaron Reed, who was really one of the, I I don't know, Gary, one of the more, you know, under the radar free agent acquisitions across all of football this off season. It certainly didn't create a buzz or any headlines or anything like that, 
but, but Reed's a guy who's been really productive in this league for, for six years or so as a defensive end, primarily in Seattle. He spent five years there. He spent a year with the chiefs. Um, you know, every, everybody's gung ho about Devonte Wyatt and, and possibly rightfully. So the first round draft pick out of, out of Georgia, you know, the second of green Bay's two number ones, but Gary, I, I'm going to make a prediction here. I'm going to, I'm going to predict that Reed's going to hold Wyatt off as a starter. Reed's going to play more snaps and Reed's going to have better numbers. Wyatt obviously has the brighter future. Wyatt, you know, Wyatt's got a chance to be an outstanding player in green Bay before it's all said and done. But right now, Gary, in, in 2022, I think Jaron Reed's going to be a huge part of this Packer defense and no one's talking about him, but I think Gary, he's going to have a huge role in, in, in what they accomplish. Interesting. Good stuff. I, I liked your uh, predictions there. Hey, uh, just real quick hits here on Quay Walker and uh, Devontae Wyatt. Yeah, you know, Walker jumped in right away from day one, uh, ran with the starters, uh, Gary. And boy, that's a formidable group of linebackers, isn't it? With Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary outside. And now you pair Walker with, with Campbell. Um, it, hey, it, he's got a ton to learn. We're going to find out a lot more when, when pads go on, when uh, opposing offensive coordinators start scheming for him, because it's not easy for a rookie linebacker in this league to, to come in and, you know, uh, ma- make an immediate splash without getting picked on a little bit. Think of Patrick Quinn a couple of years ago in Baltimore, the, the really highly acclaimed linebacker who struggled uh, really badly his rookie season and, and teams went after him. You, you watch him on the field just the way he runs, the way he moves, the, you know, the, 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 the ridiculous athleticism that Quay Walker possesses uh, for a man, six, three, I mean, it's a big, big man, um, you know, and, and then to run like he does and, and play that spot in the middle, you usually don't see guys six, three in the middle, like you do with, with Walker, but uh, Gary, they've, 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 uh, you know, assigned him a spot with the starters for, from day one. He's, he's done nothing to make them think otherwise or change their mind. And, and I, you know, again, we'll, we'll see a lot more and we'll learn a lot more in the preseason games when, when he's got to go against you know, the saints and, and the 49ers and, and people like that, but Walker's off to a nice start, Gary. Okay. And why anything in particular about him? Yeah. I mean, again, he, he's, just, uh, I mean, a physical specimen, like, you know, you, you, you rarely see. And, and that combination of size and speed is, is so unique. Remember he ran like a, a four, seven, seven or something like that coming out of Georgia. And, you know, we're talking about a man, 310, 315 pounds, uh, whatever, why it is these days. I mean, the, the, the testing numbers are, are insane, but uh, again, it's, it's, it, it's a really deep unit right now, Gary, with, with Lowry and Clark and Reed and, and Wyatt and Slayton. I mean, TJ Slayton, Gary has been one of the early stars at camp. Um, one of my guys. I, yeah, I, I'm really I high on him. He looks, he looks like a completely different guy than he did a year ago, just blowing up plays in the backfield, uh, right and left, such a huge, strong man. It, it, it's going to be a learning curve for Devonte Wyatt. I, again, uh, I think the last eight games of the year, Devontae Wyatt probably makes a real big difference. I'm not sure that's the case the first eight, Gary. And 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 you know what? Green Bay doesn't necessarily need him to be uh, you know, a, a huge difference maker early on. He can get his feet wet, he can learn as they go. Um, again, he jumps off the page physically, he captures your attention from from the get-go from that perspective, Gary. But but there's a lot for him to learn. And and right now he's he, he's still repping with the number twos, and I think that's gonna be the case because he's working behind some really talented guys up front. Exactly. 
man, I'll tell you what, it's going to be another fun-filled Packers season. Uh, hey, there, there was one story that uh, I, I saw today that I found uh, interesting and just kind of reaffirms that the NFL is the kingpin of all the sports. And that was a uh, franchise valuation. And of course the major markets were right at the top. Uh, do you want to take, take a guess, which is the highest valued uh, franchise in the NFL? Should be no surprise really. Well, yeah. It's gotta be Jerry's right. Absolutely. And, and the surprising thing was though, by a lot more than the runner-up Los Angeles Rams. According to uh, Spotico, uh, the Cowboys are valued at $7.6 billion. $7.6 billion, okay? The Rams, $5.9 billion, followed by the Patriots at uh, 5.8, the Giants at 5.7, San Francisco, 5.1, and the Chicago Bears come in sixth at five billion. Where do you think the Packers ended up? This, this shocked me. I thought they were an automatic top ten franchise from a value standpoint. But um, hey, Gary, be- Gary, before I answer that question again, tell me real quick what did what was the price on the Cowboys? Seven point six billion. Yeah, seven point six billion. I'm just looking it up here real quick. You know, 30 plus years ago, Jerry paid 150 million. Isn't that unbelievable? Uh, yep, uh, I think he's doing okay. Yeah, Gary's uh, Jerry's going to make out okay on on that transaction. Yeah. Um, I, boy, I don't right. know. Green Bay, middle middle. The, the I would have thought top 10 for sure until the way you sold that. I'm gonna, I'm going to guess like 14th now. <laughs> I I'm telling you, you got to go to Vegas. <laughs> Uh, 4.1 at 14. I mean, it was, it was 14. Wow. It was 14. And, uh, it, oh, that, that was all just how you sold. Don't, don't go play poker, Gary, because your tells are apparent. No, but you should go play poker. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I mean, that, that, that's just absolutely ludicrous. I mean, 7.6 billion for NFL franchise. And it's unbelievable. It just yeah. tells you where, uh, football stands in the, uh, sports world today. Right. So I, I, th- I think we all know that when we see what, you know, when that, when the jets play the Jaguars or something like that. Right. And, and the ratings are four times what an NBA finals game would be or something like that. Just indeed. Indeed. Yep, got it, bud. So Rob, we have uh, crossed the goal line and, and thanks so much for another uh, great podcast, uh, insightful and uh, entertaining, of course. And I loved your predictions that, you know, I'm going to, keep these on file and get back to you in about uh, four months or so. <laughs> see, well, how, right. see how your uh, prediction uh, record is. But anyways, thanks a lot, Rob. Appreciate it. Gary, Gary I'll tell you, I'll tell our listeners too, real quick. I looked it up the other day. Rashawn Gary is, is 40 to one to be defensive player of the year. That's worth a few bucks. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Absolutely. So, so. yeah, that's, that, 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 that's my tip to the listeners. I hope I can, I can. I hope. I hope I can make that one pay off, and everyone gets a little bit, a little bit extra in their stocking <laughs> then for Christmas when they cash yeah, in. Absolutely. So, hey, and uh, I also want to thank, uh, of course, our listeners. Uh, they, they've been very, very faithful the last couple of years, and uh, we're getting more and more with each podcast. So, that's good news. So, anyways, take care, and all the best. For more sports news, check back every Tuesday for our latest show. You can also follow Gary on Twitter at GaryWoofle and WooflesPressBox.com.